You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America, Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to the Conservative Conscience, your only source of true conservative constitutional news from an independent perspective, your respite from groupthink. And it is late Friday afternoon, October 26th. For me, this is what we typically call overtime. Normally, I'm done. I am done. I'm up there with the wife and the kids. I'm actually recording from home today, so you will hear a lot of screaming and chaos because they're all around. But I feel I owe you my thoughts. Any of you who have seen or are watching my Twitter account and even my Facebook. I've used Facebook for the, like the first time in a year. I actually posted something there because it's too hard to post on our website uh, this afternoon. Our, our copy editor is out, so I just wanted people to get my thoughts. But um, – this is not Foreign Policy Friday. We're not doing that today. This is Chaos Friday. Uh, you know, I, I would be in a pretty rotten mood today, but just before I sat down here, I went upstairs and, and, and I got my new suit, and I was just ecstatic. So I'm, I am not – I mean, you know me. I'm, I'm not a fashion guy. I'm not a shopping guy. I can't stand this. But the more videos I do on TV and everything, so I got to get new jackets and things like that. And – um I just hate shopping. I, I can't stand it. If I ever go with my wife, I it, it just it wears me out after 15 minutes of pacing the floors of these department stores. I just I feel like dying. I can't handle it. It just kills my brain cells. Um, so there's nothing like ordering a suit online, but it's hard because I'm short. So so it's always hard to find. And anyway. Um, you know, it's funny. You remember Mike Pence said, "Hey, you know, I'm a down to earth guy. I'm a Jose Bank type of guy." You know, and I was laughing because I'm like, "You kidding me? I can't afford that." <laughs> you know, I get I get my suits from Macy's at at the the, the clearance rack. Um, I could never afford Jose Bank. To me, that's a luxury. But you know, I got some shirts and some ties there online a couple weeks ago, and God, you know, you lot you, you got to love technology. Um, you know, because I'm marked, I guess the cookies on my computer. The ads for Jose Bank show up, and I saw these clearance sales, and I, I clicked on it, and I saw a suit for fifty bucks, five zero. And of course, you know, the first thought is it's got to be uh, polyester; it's not going to be one hundred percent wool, but it, it said it is. I, I, I look at it upside down, inside out, and I'm like, well, you know, I don't know, I can't go wrong here. So I ordered it, and it just came, and it's really nice. <laughs> It says eight hundred ninety-five bucks on it. I know it's marked up, but still, fifty-dollar wool suit. Hey, you know, to me, Jose Bank—that's <laughs> that's as good as it gets. So, um, I'm in a pretty good mood. But, you know, I started out today knowing it would be a busier Friday than usual. And first, it was preparing for some sort of further elucidation of what Trump plans to do on the border. Uh, all signs point to the fact I, I know for a fact now that him that he and his advisors have read my articles, and that's why you're seeing it. He's saying I have the full power to shut it down. I'm going to shut down asylum. I'm going to route it to the consulates. You know, I'm going to take yes for an out, for an answer. And I think this is real progress and success. If he's listening to some of the things we're we're doing, and I was going to prepare for a full defense of what he's doing, and I'll link to it in show notes. I have a 
the definitive article out now on why the asylum is a complete lie and built on – what we're doing is the opposite of asylum. There's actually an inverse relationship between the violence, the trends of violence in Guatemala and Honduras and the rate of migration. The whole thing is a lie. It, exactly the opposite. We're bringing the persecutors to the asylum rather than taking the legitimate asylees away from the persecution because they're all bogus asylees, 100% of them. Not all violent. Some of them are peaceful, but even the peaceful ones, ironically, because we're bringing in so many violent people with them, we are hurting them as well as Americans. And I document that it's a very important article. I I show about three different Washington Post articles that have great anecdotes of illegal immigrants, mothers who have come here that themselves say that they're basically living in a, in a hell just as bad as Honduras because of the, the MS-13 that we've brought in. So you know, we're going to be making this case in the future. So I thought that would be it. But then the GDP numbers came out. I was like, oh, man, now i got to break down the GDP numbers. And I'm in the middle of working on an article. And there's a lot to say on that, and you know, I want to cut this short today, so I'm not going to get into that. We'll get into that next week. A lot of important lessons because you know it's good news in, uh, as a top line, but there's a lot of warning signs in there. You know, basically what I've been saying that long term this is a sick economy, and we're not seeing good supply side investment. We're seeing a lot of good consumption, um, but this is a problem. There's a lot to learn learn from it. But then it turns out. They catch this pipe bomb suspect in Florida, Broward County, Caesar Sayoc, however you pronounce it, Sayoc, Sayoc, and um, you know everything. Break, all hell breaks loose. And typically, I stay away from this stuff because my view is that none of this stuff should be political. You know, when you have attempted murder, when you have criminals, when you have terrorists. You know, apprehend them, clamp down on them. It, it shouldn't matter what their party affiliation is or what. Let's focus on the policies and let's not distract from immigration and the stuff we want to talk about. But what actually did happen here to me is emblematic of it because the irony is we're all tearing each other down over what should be political. But there is one aspect of this that, in my view, is the most important aspect. It is the entire aspect. It's not just some cute, parsimonious angle. It's the entire angle that is political, and none of us are pointing to it. And ironically, that's the angle that is bipartisan, that both sides support. And that is jailbreak. And that is jailbreak. You know, when um, – there's an old proverb, and I don't know where it comes from. Not exactly sure, but it goes something like this. When a wise man points at the moon, the imbecile examines the finger. A lot of these cases, whether they're terror attacks, whether they're attempted or implemented political attacks, whether it's a school shooting or another mass shooting, whether it's you know some other very high-profile heinous crime or murder, in this environment, everyone's focused on, well, was he a Republican or a Democrat? And the nature of the suspect. But from a policy standpoint, the most important question is, why the heck was the guy out on the streets and not locked up? Sometimes you'll have people committing the worst you know, crimes at that level, terrorism, murder, attempted murder, 
that come out of nowhere. It does occasionally happen. But more often than not, and usually the overwhelming majority of cases, this is basic criminology, they don't go from zero to 101 shot. They have a paper trail, a rap sheet of other interactions with law enforcement that should have kept them off the streets had we had a functioning criminal justice system. This is something that we should all shake hands on. Everyone wants violent people off the streets irrespective of whether they vote Republican or Democrat. But ironically, this is the area where both parties agree that we're not lenient enough on these type of crimes and we need to let them go or if they're not in jail yet, avoid prison time at all costs. In this case, Caesar Sayak had a 30-year rap sheet of endless crimes as well as several warning signs where he called in bomb threats to the local police and he barely served any jail time over that period a period of 30 years and, and and the details are still murky but we already know enough that is very disturbing and that's why I felt and normally I want to wait that's why I felt it's important to talk now you know in 2002 this is from a reporter WFTV, Carla Ray. I just obtained 2002 arrest affidavit related to Caesar Sayak's making bomb threat. It states he called Florida police and said it would be worse than September 11th. Folks, this was 13 years before Trump came on the scene. Okay? 13 years. What we know about this guy is... And I'm sorry for the sniffling. I still have a bad cold, so this is kind of painful. But it's but 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 it, but it's so important. I want you guys to hear the truth here because there's so many profound lessons in this uh, in this narrative and what's going on here. So many profound lessons. I can't I can't say it enough. Let's just go through some of this. In 1991, he was arrested for grand theft. 1994, domestic violence. 2004, possession of an illegal ID. It's unclear if it was a suspended driver's license. 2004, possession of controlled substance without prescription. Endless drug charges all over the place. You know, 2004, tampering with evidence. Okay, he had a property foreclosure in 2009. I don't know what that means, but yeah, a lot of people obviously had issues with that in 2009. But so let's write that off. Um, 2009, operating without driver's license. Um, 2013 third degree grand theft, 2013 battery, 2014 theft, 2015 violation of probation, multiple felonies, lots of driving infractions, tons of drug charges, and um, the battery charge. My friend Patrick Poole has been noting this trend. Again, whether it's Islamic terrorism, whether it's political attacks, whether it's lunatics, school shootings, mass shootings, he calls this phenomenon known wolves. You know, the media says this lone wolf type of thing. Known wolves. That most of these people are known to law enforcement. The question all of us should be uniting and asking is why are these people not locked up? Notice this is the one thing we're not talking about. And I'll tell you why they're not locked up. Because there is a deep-rooted stigma 
particularly with his recent convictions, because in recent years, the pendulum has swung this way. Some of it's policy, some of it's law, a lot of it's just the stigma and pressure to avoid convictions, to avoid prison time at all costs. This guy's rap sheet is the quintessential paradigm of a recipient, a beneficiary of criminal justice reform that we're talking about. This is literally a Prop 47 case in California. So you have your murderers and rapists on the one end. On your other end, you have BS crimes like the Martha Stewart crimes that we all agree over criminalization and we should do something about that. But then you have the people that the career criminals, it's the theft, it's the larceny, it's the um, you know driving without a license, domestic violence, drug, tra- drug trafficking, obviously very big, and even battery, assault and battery. And they're allowed to remain on the streets. Those are the people, I promise you, I'm not – I mean this is – I'm not putting words in their mouth. This is the quintessential person that they say, why are we locking this person up? We lock up too many people and for too long for these type of crimes. And these are the crimes they want to let go. Remember, this is the same Broward County. Not all the crimes were committed in Broward. A lot of them were somewhere in Miami-Dade, somewhere in other states. It's the same place where we had the Parkland shooter, Cruz. And there, too, we focused on the finger, not the moon. We had a debate over guns. Here are the debates over, oh, I guess Trump and Republican-oriented violence. And really, it's all a matter of these people should never have been on the streets. But they're never convicted. Do you want to know a funny thing that you're not going to hear elsewhere? You know, obviously, the big news is he was a registered Republican. And obviously, he had all the bumper stickers, big Trump fan, hated Democrats, fine. You know what? You know the sick irony? Had this guy been properly convicted, and I'm not clear if he if they had a conviction on anything. I know he was serving probation. Do you know he shouldn't have been registered to vote? He should have been expunged, and he shouldn't be voting. And ironically, in Florida, there's going to be a ballot initiative this year to make it easier for convicted to restore voting rights to people like this. I mean, this is what we should all agree to. So ironically, we're tearing each other apart over, okay, you had the Scalise shooting that was Democrat, uh, a, guy, a Bernie Sanders supporter. This guy was a Trump supporter. Oh, who has more violence? Who doesn't? And really, we're, we're all missing the story. It's not overheated rhetoric. I've said this before. We have a First Amendment in the country. We're very divided, and for good reasons. There is no way to reconcile the moral differences in the views we have. I think we're the only ones with the proper solution, more federalism, more localism. We really need to kind of have that self-separating. Still under the same flag, same foreign policy, but at least on domestic issues, let's get at our differences through doing different things in different states. And if you don't like it, you move, and I think that's the way to diffuse this. The left wants everyone under one control, so yeah, you're going to have you know, this fight every time. Everything de- depends on one Supreme Court seat. So yeah, you're going to have craziness over that. But anyway, he, here's the deal. 
What is the public policy angle that caused this, and what's the redressability? It's not overheated rhetoric, because that's BS. We all know that there are ticking time bombs and crazies in this country that will commit murder, attempt murder, terrorism under the guise of many different things, including political motivations, and it's going to be on all sides. Okay, You're going to have individuals in a country of 325 million that are going to do insane things, uh, even, even if you believe it's a legitimate cause or political view. I've said this before. I wouldn't want anyone unfairly accusing me of being responsible for effectively and forcefully and passionately making the case for my views on immigration, healthcare, spending, whatever. You know, if, if God forbid someone would go and, and shoot up a place um, and you find on his social media that at some point he retweeted or shared an article of mine, the same way I wouldn't say it if it was a left wing terrorist under you know, the guys of their views retweeting an MSNBC article or something like that or, or some counterpart to what I do on the left. We are allowed to debate this stuff rigorously, and we should continue to do so. But what we should talk about is we can't convict overheated rhetoric. That's nonsense. That's not what causes it. It's crazies. So the que- Now, look, if it's a crazy that we never know before – we can't stop everything. That 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 that's life. That's not a. We don't live in a utopia. But more often than not, the crazies have a paper trail. So rather than complaining about overheated rhetoric, deal with the crazies. And that's the thing here. Ironically, they want to blame Trump. You know, you want to blame people like Jared, his son-in-law. These are the people they want to let out of jail and not. Convict to begin with. I mean, I'm telling you, there's Soros is funding prosecutors. You wonder, and I don't have all the specific details, but enough to make this case. But you know why he wasn't convicted, why he didn't get jail time, he served very little jail time, why he was on probation. But I will tell you that in places like Broward County, we already know this from the Parkland thing, they have policies, and often Soros is helping getting elected these prosecutors that some of them are even putting up on their websites, and some of them are winning. I will not prosecute drug crimes. Petty theft. And again, that's the way they message it, but really it, it often goes to grand theft. It goes to you know, um, battery. They will not prosecute. This guy should never have been on the streets. At its core, this was a street thug that should have been locked up, not a political terrorist. Now, later on in his life, among the things he was doing, now is added to his rap sheet, is political terrorism. But I will tell you, like for example, the Scalise shooting that the, the left never wants to talk about, that you know, this guy, if not for God's hand, would have killed 10 to 15 Republican congressmen. You know, here we don't know yet what was operational or wasn't operational about these pipe bombs. You know, it had some material in it, but was it operational or not? That's still under investigation, or the FBI is not releasing that information yet. Here we do know these were live bullets, and they could have killed, and they would have killed. And Scalise almost did die. The you know House Majority Whip. Now, to be very clear, I said it at the time, and I'm going to say it again. I'm consistent. I don't believe 
that was Bernie Sanders' fault the same way um, this uh, Caesar guy is not Trump's fault. Okay? You could always have a campaign volunteer, someone who has your bumper stickers, has social media stuff, championing your stuff, bashing the other side. There will be people that are crazy. And the fact that you forcefully push for your position, that is that is not a reason to you know say, oh, you need to tamp down your rhetoric. That's not the issue here. But I will say the hypocrisy on the left here is unbelievable because if anything, that guy was more of a political terrorist because to my knowledge, he did not have a criminal rap sheet. And it was straight up, where's the Republican ballgame? Ron DeSantis said that, that he was approached, I think several others, by the guy and said, where is the Republican? Is this the Republican or Democrat one? So it was very clear, and he went there and he shot them up. So you know, if there's any political, hardcore political terrorist, I mean, that, was the, that was the profile. It was all political terrorism, and there really wasn't an opportunity. And that's the thing. This guy was a straight-up Bernie Sanders hippie, whereas this guy here, you know, it's not exactly the profile of a conservative conscience listener. You know, he's a strip male stripper, um, violent guy. Certainly didn't have our values. But again, I I, I don't want to be a jerk here. It could you could have that out of three hundred twenty-five million. You could have a guy that is religious. That's whatever. You know, and and does some yeah. You know, that's not. It's not the rhetoric that's the problem. Before we get back to jailbreak, and known wolves, and not following up on valid threats and incarcerating known violent people of all stripes, including political terrorists, Republican, Democrat, or anything in between. What is important to point out here is it's not to the extent this is political. Aside from jailbreak, it's not rhetoric that's the problem, right? It's not rhetoric. You're allowed to have rhetoric. We have the First Amendment in this country. The problem is when people like Eric Holder or Maxine Waters, who's now blaming Trump for this, specifically – it's not rhetoric. It's not the passion and the tone and the tenor. It's what you specifically say. Go to the restaurants. Get in their faces. Right? Go around. Don't don't let them off the hook. Punch them in the face. That's see the left is trying to say, look, see you have the same violence. You you sit sat and had a whole month of campaigning against us with the mob. And you guys have your own. Well, one person is not a mob. He, the, the point here is they said get in their faces, go to the restaurants, and you had hordes, not one, ubiquitous doing it based on their orders. So that's not like, oh, I made a passionate case against Obamacare and called the supporters of Obamacare a bunch of jerks and destroying our country, open borders, idiots, SOBs, and then a guy goes and – uh Tries to send a pipe bomb or something. You know, you know that's BS. The same way, again, I wouldn't blame Bernie Sanders for the Scalise shooting. I don't. It's what you specifically say. No, see, no mainstream conservative with a platform has ever given a specific threat. Right? You could you could blame overheated rhetoric on all sides. You could blame me as well. All of us are guilty of that. But again, I would argue that that's all downstream from technology. If you want to know why we have the polarization, you know, everyone's looking in the wrong direction. It's really an obvious 
culprit. It's technology. I mean, it's just we're it's all we're always in each other's face with communications that everything gets blown up. Um, and then you know you can't the divide is so deep, and then it's always ma- magnified. So uh, so yeah, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be everywhere. But it, but but that's irresponsible to say. Oh, that that's why we have terrorism or attacks or murder. That's nonsense. But what does make a difference is when you say, if you see anybody from the cabinet, from that cabinet, meaning, you know, Secretary of Defense, Secretary of Homeland Security, in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them and you tell them they're not welcome anymore anywhere. And then a bunch of people did that. Occupying congressional offices, you know, I'm I'm very much a sunlight guy. We own this. This is the public's Congress. But you can't belligerently get in someone's face and have your fist in their face and occupy their office. You can't do that, Republican or Democrat. I want all 435 members of of Congress and 100 senators protected. I don't want that. that. That is legitimate to talk about. That's not a rhetoric issue. That's direct. I have never said to get in anyone's face. We rigorously say why they're a bunch of SOBs, why their views are horrible, and the policies we should be pursuing. But to my knowledge, nobody on the right has done what they're doing. So that's nonsense. Now, obviously, some are responding the other direction, saying this is false flag. It's too perfect. The guy doesn't fit the profile of a conservative the bumper stickers are too ridiculous. It's too uh, stereotypical. Right at the perfect time for the Democrats. Why would the guy be so dumb to, on the one hand, go and expose himself to send to all the most important officials in the country when you know you're going to get caught, and then it's not even operational. It's not even going to blow up, so you don't even get anything for it. It's not like the Scalise shooter. At least he knew he was going to die or get apprehended, but he, you know was committed to actually mowing people down. Like, what was the point? Is it possible that they're right of false flag? It's possible. I I certainly wouldn't want to speculate on that without the facts until we find out the facts. You know, again, the bottom line is evil people, some are genius and evil, some are stupid. And they sometimes do really stupid things. So, you know, at this point, I have no reason not to take this face value not to say it's not impossible. There's something more to it, and we'll, you know, if there is, hopefully we'll find it out. But we're missing the point. We don't have. It doesn't have to be that every shooter that does it under our guys, either like the other side says, oh, it's our fault, or our side is like, no, it's it's a, it's a lie, it's a false flag. It might have happened. Is a Trump supporter, like the Scalise shooter, was a Bernie Sanders supporter. And it's not our. It's no. It's the fault of neither side. But this is the irony: we're tearing each other apart because we don't even fight over policy anymore. We fight over the fight over the fight. Because ironically, in all these cases here, see when you're talking about the belligerence that borders on assault and sometimes does lead to assault, and the mobs and the crowds. I'm not talking about peaceful assembly. That's okay. That, that's First Amendment. That 
is rhetoric. That is overheated rhetoric, and that is direct orders. That is all on the left. The mob is the left. No one on the right is doing that. But in terms of isolated individuals who go out and try to murder or attempt murder in the name of a, a, a politics, that is not on anybody. But I will tell you, most people who do that, as well as other forms of terrorism, there is a paper trail and a rap sheet. And there is a very concerted effort not to lock them up. All sides of all voters, and the polling data shows this, believe that drug traffickers and people who commit assault and burglary should be locked up and aren't locked up enough, much less shouldn't get let out by these stupid jailbreak bills. That is an area where all of us could get together. You heard Jeff Sessions as attorney general. We will use – we will clamp down on this guy. We will use the force of law against anyone who does this. And, he, and he's not just trying to virtue signal or like you know, get off with the media like, oh, please don't blame Republicans. Oh, I'll, I'll clamp that. No, he means it because he is a consistent law and order guy. You do the crime, you do the time. I don't care if you're a Daniel Horowitz fan. Or a Rachel Maddow fan. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is the angle that no one's talking about. And it's not, you know, just because I'm obsessed with jailbreak. And, and this is the problem. No one's even no one realizes it. I, I I sent this out to a lot of people like, wow, Daniel, that's brilliant. I'm like, because the problem is nobody understands that you I, I look at these cases every day with the grand theft and the drug trafficking and the burglary down this is prop 47 downgrading property and drug crimes not all of them will go on to murder but among your population that does that most often this is the path and when you let these people out or don't initially convict them or if you do go for probation over jail time let me tell you, you will have more of this. If it's not political, it'll be other stuff. It'll be Parkland. It'll be school shootings. It'll be office shootings. It'll be mall shootings. These people usually have a paper trail. This guy for 30 years before Trump existed was a gangster, criminal, druggie, burglar. And literally 15 years ago, 16 years ago, was threatening to bomb like 9-11. Okay, so th that is the point here. This is the idiot looking at the finger instead of the moon. Oh, but he says he likes Trump. Has Trump bumper stickers. It's not the point. If anything, this is much more of a long-term criminal than the Scalise shooter was, which, again, I don't blame on the left, other than if the left is blaming this on the right, then that certainly was more political. But I'm consistent in that respect. This is the irony. If you focus on, on the real policies that matter rather than fighting over nonsense, there's a lot more common ground. Here's the irony. Both parties support the very policies that allow people like this not to get locked up, yet Americans of all stripes, majority of Republicans and Democrats, think they should be locked up. So let's all join together. And fight this. This is this is the problem. 
You, everyone's all over the place. You, you have the left doing their reprehensible things, and then you have the right. And I, under, I understand. I, I, I understand some of my colleagues the pain they feel that you know whenever there's ten examples of left wing terrorism, there's one on the right. The left will completely ignore those and this. So then people get a you know the wrong picture, and that's why they they're inclined to just try to deny this and say, oh, it's a false flag or whatever. I get it, but you know it still doesn't make it right, and I'm not going to do it without evidence. It wouldn't shock me. Again, I understand the factors they're saying, but you do have to remember it's not like, oh, none of our people would ever do this. Oh, this doesn't make sense. It's too perfect. The guy is too dumb. That all could happen. It could happen. You could have that. It's not a result of rhetoric. You don't have to act defensive about it. And again, finally, putting jailbreak aside, which I think is the predominant narrative here, it is important to not forget that this has nothing to do with the mobs because that is the left – it would be equivalent of the Heritage Foundation or you know the Senate Conservatives Fund funding a right-wing version of Antifa, beating people in the streets. Right, that that's very different. You have mainstream left organizations supporting and funding Antifa and saying get in their faces and not one or two people, but hundreds, if not thousands, are are doing this, attacking congressmen in the congressional offices. That is a hundred percent directly related to their call to action. What's my call to action every day? Call your members of Congress. Focus on the policies. What's their call to action? Get in their face. Get out of your car. You see them at a gas station, a restaurant. Assemble a crowd. Get around them and tell them you're not welcome. Folks, I am a, I'm a very close to an absoluter, a, absolutist when it comes to um, First Amendment. Say whatever rhetoric you want. Say whatever curse words you want about the other side. If that strikes your fancy. But it's very different when you get in someone's space with your fist practically in their face. That ain't First Amendment, and it never was. This is what we should be focused on. So my colleagues are definitely right on that point. But again, the idiot focuses on the finger, not the moon. It's not a matter of we're always focused on what weapon did he use? Was it a bomb or a gun or a knife? What political affiliation did the guy have? Oh, see, this is one of your guys. It's one of the – it's a MAGA guy or no, it's a Sanders hippie. The real issue when it comes to isolated individual individuals who try to commit murder or terrorism is probably at least 80% of the time. They were known to law enforcement. Not just political cases. This is this is Parkland. We were all distracted 50 times or so. The FBI or local law enforcement were informed about him. Assault. Threats. They never wanted to imprison him. It's the same thing here. And I and, and ironically in the same county. If I were Ron DeSantis, I wouldn't come out swinging right away at Gillum here in Florida and just blame him. I mean, because Gillum, 
Gillum as mayor of Tallahassee, this is why crime skyrocketed there. He is a chief jailbreaker. This is a guy. Gillum is a guy that passionately. I'm not putting words in his mouth. They're saying they're saying this is on Trump. No, this is a guy. Gillum is a guy who believes that drugs and property crimes and theft, even battery, were locking too many of these people up. He would dramatically increase the number of people like this. So if I were, I'm saying that, I wouldn't – if I were DeSantis, I wouldn't directly pin it on him. I would just say if I am governor, I will get to the bottom of the common denominator that we're seeing in all these cases is that so many, not all, but most of these attackers, whether it's political, whether it's terrorism, Islamic terrorism, whether it's an eco-terrorism, whether it's school shootings, mall shootings, mass shooters – even individual murderers, they usually have a paper trail. Why weren't they locked up? I will get to the bottom of that, and I will use every tool of my office to ensure that threats to public safety are apprehended, are neutralized, and are taken off the streets. Incarceration is not perfect, but it's the best thing. And the reality is, as I said often, the number of people in prison are plummeting, not the percentage, the rate, that for sure. The raw numbers while the population is exploding. And that's not a good thing. And the left and the right, the Heritage Foundation, all these, they're all together. I'm the only one opposing this, thinks it's not enough. Remember, just the people that do murder, robbery, and rape alone, if we apprehended and successfully convicted all of them, the population would swell. But then certainly if you go down to this kind of mid-level, it's, it's, it's a heck of a lot of people. And I'm sorry, they need to be taken off the streets and or deterred with tougher sentencing. Hopefully more will be inclined not to do it. This is what people don't realize. See, people like us, we, we recoil at the notion of being arrested. Like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to drive without a license. I don't want you know, like we're always very scared. We're we're terrified of being caught by police. We're terrified of being arrested. It's like it's the worst thing in the world. But for these career criminals, whatever race they are, whatever background they are, they're all the same. They get used to it and they're not deterred by it because they get booked, they get processed, they're living terrible lives anyway, so they don't care about the stigma. Of getting a job, and by the way, the left wants to take that away. That's the whole ban the box thing on job applications. Um, but they they don't care, and they can have a thirty year criminal career and only serve collectively through it all. You know, a month here, a month there, maybe a year total on probation. They just don't care. But if you had tougher sentencing for this stuff, I'm telling you, you wouldn't have to have so many people in jail. Some of them you would, and you know people will challenge you. You got to pull the trigger and and on the mandatories, but they will be deterred. This is not some sort of cute distracting angle. This is the angle of this guy and all these guys. When we have violent criminals in a vacuum doing something terrible, 
whatever the motivation is, whatever the motivation is, unless you could directly show how public officials directly said to do this, it's nobody's political fault. It's, it's a law and order issue. Why was he not locked up? Sometimes there's no good answer. Sometimes they just struck out. And, and, and suddenly, you know, without any warning, without any priors, just um, totally screwed up. And their brain snapped and they did this. But typically, 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 there's going to be a paper trail. And what will it look like? Exactly, exactly like Caesar Sayoc's record, which is exactly the category of crimes that all these states and at a federal level, both parties and both organizations on the left and the right and think tanks want to downgrade dramatically. And this is what I've been warning about for years. So I'm not a Johnny come lately like, hey, let's use this to all of a sudden you know, no no no. I've been you know I've been saying this for years. This is a very important issue. It's one of those vital issues. The public doesn't want it, but the public doesn't realize it. Imagine if you had a Republican Party making this case. Then they could totally jujitsu the energy here just like they should have jujitsu Parkland. But they're not. So people aren't aware of the fact of how deep and systemic the jailbreak mentality, the weak on crime mentality is at every stage of the criminal justice system. The police, the prosecutors, the judges. Every once in a while, you'll find people over-incarcerated. But for every one of those, there's at least... Ten times more people that absolutely should be in jail but are not because we're being too weak. And yet the bipartisan political class thinks we're not being weak enough. I gotta go now. Long long week before I, you know, explode here. But I just wanted to zoom back and, and just give you this understanding, putting this policy and this case and this dust up aside. This is emblematic of the problem we have on the right and the left, the phony right and the left, the phony Republican Party and Democrat Party now. That we hate each other more than ever, but ironically, if you look at some of the most important policy outcomes, both sides agree, at least at an elite political level. And here it came full circle where that agreement is the source of how this guy was able to do this which is now spawning such a partisan fight when the impetus behind it on a policy level was so bipartisan. Folks, welcome to your politics of Orwell in 2018. Thank you all for listening. God bless. Have a great weekend. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.